back to the Book of Medora podcast, the podcast where we discuss the lore and the fiction of the Legend of Zelda series of video game products. My name is Crystal, and with me today is Monica. Hello. And Cameron. Hi. This is part three of our very long series on Twilight Princess, which is a very long Zelda game. It's got a lot of things in it. It's got a lot of cutscenes. Cutscenes and dialogue and running back and forth between places. It is, as one might say, the MGS4 of the series. <laughs> you could say that, and I don't think it's even wrong. Now, when we last left off, Link had just gotten back his faithful horse, Epina, in Kakaro Village. That had happened, yes. And after that point, is that when he decides that it's time to go up the mountain? Well, he can't go up the mountain quite yet because the Gorons won't let him because he doesn't know sumo wrestling. Right. And Renato tells him to go back to Ordon Village and learn sumo wrestling from Bo. The mayor. The mayor Bo. The sole human who has the respect of the Gorons. He's the only one they ever acknowledged as being truly strong, as having found that answer. Okay, so Link goes back to Ordon Village. Now, is there anything that comes up on his way back? Not really, no. You have uh, the there's horse. another opportunity, I think, to learn skills from the mysterious Golden Wolf. Mm. That would make sense. Where is this particular opportunity? Uh, I believe it is near the spring on the way back. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. And it. I don't think that we actually get any particular hints about who the Golden Wolf is between the first time and the last time that you talk to him no but he does continue to emphasize that the way of the sword is a lonely path Mm, i guess yeah okay that makes sense yeah because link died alone loveless did he this seems to be what this is implying (laughs) huh what is the what's this particular line you're referring to let me bring up the exact line you must persist on the lonely path of the sword to obtain true courage and earn the strength to conquer the great evils of the world. I think it's pretty lonely to have to go through most of your life stuck in a dungeon or progressing to a dungeon. Like all of Majora's Mask was very lonely, I'm sure. I mean, Tattle was there, but... But then Tattle left this poor lad. And he was <laughs> left alone once again. Poor Link. Now, Link is, Link is a tragic figure. Could you link me to that damn script again? I seem to have lost it. Okay. Oh, Cam, why don't you leave it open? Because I'm a fool, and you know it. So Link gets back to Bo. He explains that the children are alive and they're safe in Kakariko. I really like this sequence. Yeah. Because you can, you should um, go to each of the villagers and to tell them that the kids are safe, and each one of them is hugely relieved. Um, I mean, the only person who's a little bit down is Bo, because... Ilya hasn't been found yet. Yeah, but even then, the fact that all the other kids have been found is something. Yeah, and then they ha- they all have like this like sad song playing in the background at first, um, but then it instantly perks up as uh, they know that the kids are okay. Especially when Link goes and tells his new adopted parents that Colin is okay. Yeah, well, just the mom, because Russell, of course, as soon as he got better set out into Hyrule. To try and find the kids and get everything right. He went the completely wrong direction. Well, he couldn't know that. He doesn't have a dog nose. I guess. So he goes around and he tells all the people that their kids are okay. Yep. And after that, he goes and he speaks to Mayor Bo. Can you tell me what goes on with Bo? 
Bo says that, like Renato said, he is the only one, he's the only human to have earned the trust of the Gorons. And that is through the ancient art of sumo wrestling. And he was able to defeat the Gorons using a special secret that Link is not allowed to tell anybody. Not ever. And that is that sumo wrestling is the same as herding cow goats. Yes. That's a pretty intense secret. And and that herding cow goats is also much easier when you wear cheat boots. Well, he doesn't tell you that yet. You oh. have to learn how to sumo first. Oh, oh okay. I'm sorry. I'm skipping. Yes, once Link takes off his shirt and shows his chiseled physique and defeats Mayor Bo in this ancient art of strength, he gives Link the iron boots. He says to Link, okay, your conquest of this particular sequence was masculine and coded enough to let me in on, let, to l- allow me to let you in on the real secret, which is that I'm a huge cheater. Well, he, he's mean, the person who acknowledges that, you know, you can have power and that's that's good for sumo wrestling, but Gorons are made out of rock. Yeah. It's kind Cameron, of unfair. If you if you have poor vision and you wear glasses while taking a test, is that cheating? Are the answers to the test written on the inside of the glasses? That's not the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it's it? Just, it's just, you know, it's putting Link on equal footing with the Gorons. Is it? Yes. Literally? (laughs) So, like, if I got in a race with a bunch of Olympic sprinters, is it equal footings to have rockets coming out of my ass? You know, if these sprinters were, like, a completely different species, and this caught you to sort of equal-ish footing, then maybe? Well, that's just the thing, is that the Gorons are so masculine-coded in the way that they treat fairness and how things are supposed to work is that your body is what you get. Yeah. And if they heard about what the iron boots are, they would very much consider it cheating. Yeah. But this is for the greater good. Yeah. But, like, the iron boots do not give you an unbeatable advantage. The Gorons can still push you around. True. Link does still... It just still... gives you the same amount of uh, ability to stay where you are as the Gorons naturally have. Link does still have incomparable upper body strength, I suppose. Of course. Very important. He just had, he skips leg day. He does skip leg day, and he doesn't eat enough carbs to get his weight up. God damn it, Link. He's pretty hefty looking in this one. Not hefty, but... He's got that nice little... Solid build. He's got a rectangular little torso. He's what some might call a twunk. A twunk. Like a hunk? Uh-huh. No, a twunk. <laughs> Please explain the concept. It's like of it's like a cross between a twink and a hunk. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I see that. He's also very pretty, and he's also hunky. Is that all there is? Yeah. All right. Yeah, that makes sense then. Oh, but before you go to the Gorons, this yeah. is the thing about Twilight Princess. We have to constantly remind ourselves about what happens in between things that you really expect would happen right after the other. But as you're returning to Kakariko. On your way to the Gorns to sumo wrestle them. Oh, yeah. You get the Colin is abducted scene. Now, it's a little bit more than that. Well, yes. It's like the most cinematically shot Sergio Leone bullshit scene in the entire game. And I can't can't help enjoying it in spite of how silly it is. Or maybe because of how silly it is. Yeah, there's a slow motion shot of King Bulblin riding in on on a big honking pig whose snout is, like, whipping back and forth in slow motion, and the kids start running away, but one of the kids is frozen in place. It's Beth. It's Beth. And Colin runs in and pushes her out of the way. 
It's an anime push, so of course he stays put. Yes. No flying tackles for this kid. But then Colin gets abducted. He has the little moment where he looks up defiantly at King Bulblin, like, grrr. And then he gets tied to that pole. Oh, man, he gets, like, just put on a spear and carried around like a banner for the Bulblin army. When I first What's watched the bomb the- man's name? Uh, what was the bomb man's name? Um, I don't It's like Wade or something. There's a scene where Wade uh, walks out and sees King Bulblin, and they stare at each other for a moment, and King Bulblin uh, raises up his faceplate, and Wade puts back down his faceplate. It's yeah, a good it's shot. Good. When they first showed the one of the trailers, and they had Colin on that banner thing, I thought he was impaled. <laughs> Oh. That would be very uh, different. No, that would be a rated M for mature video I know, video game. I know, but yeah. Nintendo can't Did they ever make a rated M Zelda? No. There's not a fucking chance. Like, not, not even the barest one. So yeah, Colin is tied to a big pole, and here begins a rather drawn-out boss sequence against King Volblin. I think that we're leaving off what might be the... After the third most important part of that particular cutscene, which is that Link is very super double angry when he comes into the scene. Yes. It's the most explicitly they've ever shown Link being angry in the entire series by a factor of like 10. Till Skyward Sword. Yeah, Skyward Sword does go over that again, but also it's considerably less goofy than it is here. Mm. But, you know, it, it's... It reads differently in this game, at least a little bit, because of the way that Link himself is coded and everything else. He's righteously angry. He's hero angry. And he's going to get that kid back. He's going to get that kid back. First horse sequence. The first horse combat sequence. God help us all. Crystal, what do you think about the horse sequences? Um, I, I like the first part where you're in a field and you're hitting the Bulblins. I don't like the bridge fight. Oh, I hate the bridge fight. The bridge fight looks so epic in the trailers, but then it was very bad in the video game. I didn't have much of a problem with either sequence very much, but I can adjust pretty well to mechanics that maybe aren't tailored to normal play as much as they should be. But just watching other people play, it's like, no, this actually doesn't control quite as well as it should in the context of a Zelda game. The horse fight... is one I've gamed over, I think, every single time I've done it. Like, the first time through, I will game over at least one or two times before I get the hang of it. Uh, you're thinking of another fight, though. Am I? You're thinking of the second horse sequence. Gosh darn it. Really? Yeah, the second horse sequence. That's the one that gives you all the trouble. Okay, well. This one, the trouble that you get is on the goddamn bridge. So Link chases around the Bulblins, and they're all standing off and fighting him. And for whatever reason, King Bulblin is just riding around parading his child pennant. (laughs) And Link has to chase him down and cut down all of his soldiers and, like, hit King Bulblin a bunch of times. And then Bulblin retreats to the Bridge of Elden, I think. Yeah, this is one of the few sequences where the the size of the world actually feels like it's to the benefit of the game. Do you think it's possible that the size of Hyrule Field may have been tailored around these horseback fights? Oh, that, for sure. Most definitely. Yes. Would they just have been corridors otherwise? They might have been smaller. Yeah. Okay. So these big... It's interesting, though, because it's very rare that you get these spaces in Zelda games that only exist for single purposes outside of, like, dungeons. The overworld isn't supposed to function that way, at least in theory. Right. It kind of makes the overworld sequences between the dungeons into 
mini dungeon, structurally speaking, which is interesting in the context of the rest of the series because Skyward Sword does a very similar thing, but the density of content there is very different from what we get in Twilight Princess. Yeah, the the overworld as it is in Skyward Sword is basically just a big outdoor dungeon. Yeah, it's almost Metroid feeling. Yeah. But anyway... They, they should have made the bridge fight a cutscene with the QTE, in huh. my opinion. So you would have preferred, a, as opposed to what we actually got, which is you charge at King Bulbin and you juke to the side at the last second and slash him just right, you would have preferred to have like a God of War style sequence. Yes. Maybe where they have this cool clash thing where Link does some cool sword moves. Yeah, it definitely would have been the same angle as the trailer and you just do a couple QTEs to feel like you're still playing it. Well, I like actually playing the sequence, but at the same time, it's not extremely well designed. I was so relieved when the second time you do this, you have the bow. Yes. I think this is the f- this is the actual bridge fight I have difficulty with. Oh, because you don't have the bow Because yet. you don't have the bow. When it's I have the bow, that's fine. Oh, yeah. The bridge fight, the first one, is the big problem. I yes. mean, like, the larger... Oh, no, not the field one. That's fine. That's, sort of. The second one is pretty bad. Oh, gosh. I think that this is actually the much better... There's three major horseback combat sequences in the game... And I think this is probably the second best one after the one that you get in the final battle. I think we have so to Link add. Sorry. Hits King Bulblin very good, and he goes flying a million billion feet off the bridge into <laughs> the darkness. Yeah. Have we talked about how Hyrule Field is just covered in these yawning, bottomless chasms? Yeah. What's up with that? What is up with that? No it's one. It's like low rule. Please don't. I'm not going to. Oh, Jesus. It was a joke. Oh, but That explains where all the water would go. Oh, it just drains out after Wind Waker? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, all right. I can almost... Ex- oh, my God. That was probably part of a timeline argument back when the single timeline theory was still a thing. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, I feel like I'm seeing into the past. But no. No. No, no, no. It's just really weird, and it seems to exist solely as a way to keep you from being able to get into different parts of the map by whatever means you wish and they didn't want to just use walls i guess so it looks more open there's a part near the castle where you can jump into one of the holes and there's a hook shot way down uh-huh. or claw oh, shot there's a heart piece there's a heart there. piece there so and you look down and it's just water so it's like a xenoblade game only they didn't have the bottom part of it you needed the uh oh Oh my god, the water is down there. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay, this is getting fucked up. We gotta keep going. But the the, the, the big chasms all over Hyrule Field don't make a ton of sense. Mm. That's all I wanted to say. So Link rescues Colin. And then he brings Colin back to Kakariko Village. And he's like, oh, Link's a big hero! And Colin's unconscious because he's just been through some really horrible bullshit. No, he's semi-awake at first. Oh, that's right. Because he has his what is the meaning of strength yes. enemy moment. <laughs> I will find the answer to that question. And then he faints. In well, he has his fight. hand extended up and clutches into a fist. That's right. He makes the little baby <laughs> fist. I forgot that part. But he does learn that the meaning of being strong is courage instead of power. Yes, he That's he nice. he does learn from watching Link that it's not about being able to swing a sword or that kind of thing. It's about being able to act when you're scared. And he apologizes. I mean, it is also very much about being able to swing a sword. Well, you, yes. You should be able to swing a sword if you're going to try and fight the gorilla monster. 
He's very sweet, though, and he apologizes to Beth for pushing her out of the way. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> for some reason. Well, it's because you have to do that when you push a girl. I guess so. Well, maybe. And Beth is, like, completely enamored with him at the moment, and uh, Tallow tries to help Colin, uh, because at this point, Colin faints, and Tallow tries to carry him back to the house, and then Ronaldo shows... Renato? Renato? Ronaldo? Which is it? Renato? Renato. Renato. Renato shows up and just like hefts him like a sack of corn flour. <laughs> what? And he's like, it's oh, all right. Yeah. Let's get out of here. You can actually, after you get your controls back, um, Colin is staying in a little house to the side. And I don't think you're ever really directed in there. No, no, no. You just explore around because you want to talk to all the characters. Yeah. And Beth and Luda, Renato's daughter, like fight over taking care of Colin. Like, I think Beth okay. wants him to drink this water, which was a mixture of hot spring water and sacred spring water. <laughs> and Beth, um, and Beth has cooked some, no, sorry. And Luda has cooked something for him, like stew. And they're like, eat this, eat this. No, drink this, drink this. Well, he's unconscious at this point, right? Or And it's just like, they're trying to do stuff and you can see that he's not being able to sleep very uh, well because they keep like pressing too hard on his head and shit. Oh, with the cold compass. And he's going back and forth like, ah, ah, ah. Yeah, there's stages to this. <laughs> yeah, it's strange. It's cute. It's cute, I guess. And Mallow, this is when he opens up his shop. That's right. The lady who previously ran the shop got killed and turned into a monster, and then Link killed her again. <laughs> so then this baby moves into her shop and opens up, and he is ruthless about things. Because you go in, and you're looking at the wares, and he says, Hey, if you ain't gonna buy nothing, get out. And Link's like, Hey, I respect your hustle, kid. <laughs> and he pays instead of just, like, taking everything. Do you think Mallow has good intentions? Hell no. Really? What about you, Crystal? I mean, what do you define as good intentions? Um, is he in for personal profit or is he actually, as he claims, you know, that the buying goods will help the village and, you know, he's a good capitalist. It is. Oh, no. Mallow's in it for the paper. <laughs> <laughs> Mallow does seem to be in it for the paper, but he does help open new trade routes between Kakariko, the Gorons, and Hyrule Castle Town, and reestablishes things that have been damaged by Zant's invasion. And, you know, that's good. He does help people, but I think that's more of an unintended consequence of his enormous greed, and he's just really good at talking around that problem, which makes him a great character and a little scumbag son of a bitch in the bargain. He's three years old. Yeah, a little piece of shit. Never too early, I guess. Barely out of diapers, trying to squeeze me dry. It's that Malin blood. Is what? No, shut the fuck up! God damn it! What is this shit? <laughs> it's Mallow and Tallow. Yeah, I know that they're named the same way. Which would wait? Hold on. So Marin and Taran definitely weren't related. They just happened to live together. <laughs> Malin and Talon were daughter and father, and Mallow and Tallow are brothers. These names don't mean anything, don't they? Maybe they do. I have no good rejoinder to don't they. <laughs> 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 so Mel is a, a, a baby who runs a ruthless business. He's just got a little, his, his face is shaped like a little potato sack. And he's got these real ro rosy cheeks, but he's very uh, well-spoken and kind of weirdly worldly when you talk to him. No one catches on to his schemes, though. He's, if he actually is, you know, in it just for the paper, I mean, he's playing everybody very well. He's basically Bruce Wayne. 
Or so he claims. He claims to be Bruce Wayne, as in animated series Bruce Wayne, who is this really aggressive philanthropist. But in truth, he's Tony Stark. Mm. Fuck Tony Stark. Yeah, Tony Stark is a villain. Link is finally able to go to Death Mountain. Yes. Because the the Goron who's knocked him off the cliff before tries to roll at him. The Link has the iron boots so he can catch the Goron and then throw him off the cliff and see how he likes it. He just picks the guy up and hurls him bodily. Like a goat. Like a goat down a 30-foot drop. And the guy just keeps rolling because he doesn't know how to stop. (laughs) And it's, uh, it's really something. Link's really strong in this game. Yeah, why is Link so powerful if he has the Triforce of Courage? It's because that's what being a man is. Okay. It's power. Maybe the Triforce rotated on the hands. (laughs) Is Link like Disney's Hercules where he fell from the heavens and Russell adopted him? That's actually as good an explanation as anything the game gives us. Which, of course, is based on Clark Kent and Son Goku. Yeah, you're not wrong. That is very super... Okay, yeah, Link is basically Superman in this. If Superman was really hung up on, like... Or he's constantly getting pulled into adventures where proving his manliness is important. Okay. So he manages to get his way up. And everywhere he goes, up until the very top of the mountain, the Gorns are like, Would you get out of here? And then he just throws them down the mountain. So he conquers Death Mountain while he's climbing it. And he can go hang out in the hot springs, and everybody in there is pretty chill. Yeah. But... I like how the Gorons in this one are fine with water. In fact, they love it. Yeah. Whereas in Majora's Mask, they're like... Yeah. There's even a Goron completely submerged. Yeah, he's like, why am I able to breathe? Because (laughs) his, like, little... uh, The peak of his head is sticking out of the water, and I guess he's breathing out of that. Why would Gorons need to breathe? They're rocks. I don't... I don't have any answers. Actually, don't you free a Goron, like, underwater in Zora's Domain later? I'm not sure, to be I honest. think you do, because of teleporting the thing, the hot rock over that melts Zora's Domain. And there's one underwater. Crystal, did that happen? I think so. Yeah. Oh my I god. I think it breathes fine. <laughs> it's fucked up. So, do Gorons undergo cellular respiration? Probably not, to be honest. They're just magic rock people. So yeah. Hyrulean Gorons can breathe in water fine. Terminian Gorons are some kind of mammal, I guess, in comparison. Well, they, they, I mean, they can get cold. Oh, maybe they're different types of rock. Oh, you're saying that one of them's porous and one of them isn't? Yeah. Oh. Okay. Like a sandy, erosive kind and then a very dense, you know. Sinky kind. Sinky kind. <laughs> yeah, sinky. But they're not as soft as the Gerudo, who are made of sand. <laughs> right, because sand is soft rock. And dude, does that mean that Gerudo don't need to breathe either? I mean, have we ever seen them need to breathe? If you get a bunch of Gerudo and you put water on them and you kind of smush them together, can you build a Gerudo castle? What? <laughs> no. They're, okay. Well, but Crystal says nose- they're made of they sand. They have noses. Do Gorons have noses? No, they don't. Gorons have noses. Oh, they do? Yeah. Have just this, in this little, game at least little holes in their face. Oh, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. I don't know anymore. But I mean, Gerudo can get pregnant. We know they can have daughters. Okay. But we've it, never okay. seen a pregnant Gerudo. Right. Okay. Because they make him from the sand. Yeah, I don't see why that wouldn't be the case. Just like Gorons and budding. Yeah, it's all very mysterious. The only pregnant 
person that we see in the series up to this point, I think, is Colin's mother. I think that is the case, yes. What was her name? Shay? No. What? Really? Look it up. Okay. I want to say it starts with a U. I want to say it's Uli. Uli. Yeah, it's Uli. Who the hell is Shay? I'm thinking of something else. Yes. So anyway, Link gets his way up the mountain and throws all the Gorons off because he's very strong and now he's very heavy, much like the Gorons are. So they have no advantages over him. And he goes inside and it turns out that he's getting stared down by like 15 Gorons and they're like, okay, listen, you can throw one of us off a mountain fine, but we're about to just roll you over. And then the oldest Goron, who's like this really cute tiny Goron guy, he's just this really cute little old man Goron. He's like, hold up, it's fine. It's, it's named Kor... No, Gorkoron. Gorkoron. I always want to say Korgoron. Yeah, me too. So Gorkoron is like, okay, listen, human, uh, there's some problems going on around here, but we can't talk to you about them unless you are, like, super strong. Are you hey, s- why are Gorons so hostile to humans in this game? They're usually quite friendly. Renato talks about this, doesn't he? Well, they're... They're trying to protect their patriarch right now. Oh, that's right. Word can't get out about what's happening, so they're keeping... They're very prideful, Yes, I guess. The Gorons are, like, the most aggressively masculine-coded that they've ever been in the entire series in this game. So they can't ask for help or have other people know that they need help. Right. And more than that, it's like finding out about your patriarch being turned into a big monster is probably also going to present, like, major political problems... I guess. Might lead to interference from the Hyrule royal family and all kinds of bullshit. Do they have any kind of relationship with the Highland royal family? Because Darunia was the king's brother. You know, it's not very clear in this game. They don't really get into, like, the inter-people's politics at all. I think every every group is so occupied with their own personal problems, including Hyrule, which has completely shut down, Yeah, that you don't really get a chance to see... Which is fair, though I would have really liked to see how the different places treat each other, because that was such a core aspect to how the world presented itself in Ocarina of Time. Yeah. And as much as Twilight Princess apes Ocarina of Time in so many ways, in this particular way, it does not at all. The the design of the elders is really cute. I love, I love all of them. Can you pull up a picture? So the first one that you go, uh, that you meet is... That was uh, Gorkoron. Yes. Gorkoron. Gorkoron. And he looks kind of like a regular Goron, only he's a little bit saggier, and he is plainly bald, and uh, that's about it. His loincloth reaches to the ground. But otherwise, he looks pretty normal. It's not until you meet the others that things start to go a little bit off the rails in terms of their designs, but I still like Korgoron. He's very cute. He's got a little... Is that some decoration on the back of his back, or uh, it looks like a fi- it looks like fire? Yeah, like little like a little, painting of fire. Little fireman. Gorons like fire, like the Hulk. Yes, Gorons <laughs> like raging fire. I guess is the lesson here. Yeah, Link like smoldering fire. Except Link proves different. Until he puts on the iron boots, then he's raging fire. Yeah, he's real fire. Yeah, so Link beats Korgoron. Gorkoron in sumo wrestling, and Gorkoron explains that the chief of the Gorons has been transformed into a horrible monster. Into a Balrog. A Balrog. Basically a Balrog. Yeah. 
Like a Lord of the Rings Balrog. Yeah. And uh, is does he say that it's because he touched the few shadow? Yes. He dies, yes. It's because of a treasure and what's his name? Darmani? No. Uh, no, no. Darbus. 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 Wow, big D. I yeah. D Dar. is a very important, yeah. Um, naming schema for Zelda in general, but Gorin the Gorons in particular. Yeah, he touched it and then um, turned into a monster, and they've got him sealed up in the sacred mines. So, in order to get things going and to like solve the problems of the Gorons, you need to go in there and see if you can break the curse. And it's like, all right, well, I'll give that a shot, says Link. The mines are interesting. Um, Gore Koron describes, again, it as sacred, and each of the elders apparently are in these altar rooms, but I just read the altar rooms as being like... Break rooms? Like little break rooms or rooms for the elders to, to stay in. It's places that the Gorons go to chill out. The Goron Mines is interesting because it's very different from the Forest Temple. It serves a real concrete purpose in the world itself. This is where the Gorons go to mine their rocks. Yeah. They also have all sorts of advanced technology. Yeah. They do a lot of magnet stuff. They have magnet stuff and a lot of building. And I guess things... Why do they have magnet stuff exactly? I guess... Raise metal? Oh, yeah. They probably mine a lot of iron ore, too. The best iron always comes from Death Mountain. Anyway, those mines are cool. I think it's actually one of the better dungeons in the game. Uh, There's something I don't like about it. What's that? There is one chest in there. Oh, no. (laughs) You cannot get that chest until you get the claw shots. Claw shots. And that's really late in the game. And you have to constantly remind yourself there's this one chest you can't get yet. I think it's just rupees. Uh, you're probably right. I have never gotten that chest. I agree with Monica. That's that's no good. That is That bothers me. That, yeah. that is bad, I have to admit. I always forget about it completely. You're lucky. That I can forget? Yes. Yeah. Let's talk about the designs of the Goron elders. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> they look like uh, they look kind of like the old Goron from Majora's Mask. Uh, yeah, I... at least one of them does. Yeah, that's definitely true. The one who smokes a pipe and later works at Mallow's shop. He's all hunched over and got a sort of a protruding lip. My favorite one is the real teeny tiny one who has smoke coming out of his back. Yeah. He's the best. And a little chimney on his head. Yeah, he got a little chimney. Goromoto. Goromoto. Yeah, I suppose so. He's definitely the most uh, volcanically active Goron <laughs> in the entire series. And he's also wee little tiny. And I love him. What's the design and on his back? he's got a huge rock goatee that's like almost the length of his whole body. Oh, yeah. He totally does. And it's just like this one little patch coming off his chin. But he makes it work because he's very old. He's got a cane. He does. Can you make out the design on his back? It looks from the... Is this from the Hyrule Historia? Maybe. Well, the design on his back is a green circle with what looks like green lines radiating out from it. So I'm wondering if it's supposed to be light or possibly some kind of forest symbol. It's really hard to tell. Rocks are important. Rocks are important. But tell us about some of the other Goran elders, Crystal. Okay, there's Gore Liggs, who has like a, a very wide rock beard, and his body's all painted like uh, red and yellow. He also has long rock hair. Yeah. He does. 
Then Gore Ibizo is the one that looks like the Goron Elder from Majora's Mask. And he's got a pipe, and he's the one who's the most rickety-seeming whenever he moves around. <laughs> he always seems like he's about to fall over. Is he the and only those... one that calls Link Brudda? Or do they the elders all call him Brudda no, instead of brother? it's just him who says Brudda instead of brother. Well, maybe because of the lip. I don't know. The uh, Gore Ibizo refers... That he says that there has been a weapon left in this mine by a hero of old, which refers to the bow. Yes. What does that mean? Which what, what's the name of the bow in this one? The hero's bow. The hero's bow, no less. Okay, now I checked. It looks like the hero's bow in Majora's Mask. Not perfectly, hmm. but pretty hmm. similar. Hmm. Interesting. That would make sense. It's definitely Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, Link, Link's bow. So was he just left it here, I guess. Yeah. And Please protect this Darunia. And the Gorons really treasured it as a relic. Because the Gorons do remember what he did for them, clearing out the Dodongos. He, yeah, that's right. He would have done that. Yeah, he's still hero to the Gorons. He's a hero to everybody. Well, sort of. I'll mention a line later. Okay, sure. How much later? End of this episode. Okay. Or end of this sequence. We might bypass it or pass it. And do we have anything else we want to talk about inside of the mine in particular? Yes. Oh, okay. The boss key. This is a neat sequence for the boss key. What's the sequence for the boss key? Each of the Gorons has a fragment of the boss key and you assemble it together. The Goron elders. Uh, Yes. What did I say? The Gorons. Oh, sorry. Each of the Goron elders has a fragment of the boss key and it looks unique. And you kind of like slot everything together so that you can access Darbus. That's neat. I do like making fancy keys. Yeah, and it really seems to indicate that they are like a smithing group. Yeah. Do they put it together for you or is it just like... Da-na-na-na. Oh, okay, yeah. But outside of that, there isn't... Re- oh, there is the mid-boss fight. Yes. What's that character's name? Big Gorn that we are thankful is not a bunch of tiny Gorns into one big Gorn. Don Goro. Don Goro, and he was protecting the hero's bow. Beating him gets you the bow, because he's protecting the treasure of the hero. It's a pretty neat fight. Oh, yes, 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 this guy. He's wearing, like, a bunch of metal scraps on him. He's also, like... like, On a, a, a tilting platform. He's also, like, 15 feet tall. Yeah. Do you think the... The metal scraps helps with the magnetic surface. I don't see why not. For somebody his size, it might be necessary to get around. Yeah. I mean, he's fighting on a magnetic surface. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fight is on a magnetic surface. Yeah, his little shoes even have one side that are black and one side that's red, which oh, that's is so like cute. a shorthand for you know magnetism. So I would, I, I feel like probably uh, his design suggests that he is wearing a normal mining outfit, which the Gorons can use to get around the mines. They also strap iron to themselves. Yeah. But if he's... You do just throw him into the lava as Mario does Bowser. Yeah. He goes flying up into the air like a cartoon. Yeah, he doesn't like it very much when you throw him into the lava. But hold on. If he is magnetized to the magnetic floor and Link is also like... They're on equal, like, he should, shouldn't he have a bit of an advantage against Link? No, because Link is very strong. Link found that answer and knows what the meaning of strength is. Iron boots? Yeah, iron boots. This is probably the biggest example of how strong Link is supposed to be in this game, is being able to take this Don Goro, 
who is, again, just for the listeners at home, a 15-foot-tall Goran who is much burlier than the average Goran would be at his size. Like, he's the kind of burly character where his shoulders reach up two or three feet above his head, and Link just... He rolls at Link as an attack. Link catches him and just tosses him off. He means well, though. Well, yeah, his job is to protect the bow. Yeah. He can't let just anybody have it, and nobody told him Link was coming. Really, this whole boss fight only happens because the Goran Elders don't have very good communication set up for, like, the people working in the mine. Or they forgot, in which case they're an entirely different kind of dick. Maybe they want Link or to get his strength. Or they wanted Link to get his butt kicked a little. Yeah, okay, I can I can buy both. They're, ha- they're hazing him. Hazing him by having him fight this rock titan. Yes, the strongest of the tribe. Except for Darbus. Except for Darbus. Darbus is the boss because he is the manliest and the strongest. One thing that's interesting about Darbus is that we learn that Darbus was actually chained up after transforming into a monster by all the four Goran elders working together. Cool. Hmm. At least how if they, I... How they get him in there? They lured him in there and then they put the chains on him and they're... The four of them are actually extremely strong for the average Goran, even the little tiny one. I see. Especially the little tiny one. I imagine him moving like Yoda. Oh, no. Yes. (laughs) So So you go into the boss room. What's Darbus? There's a very large figure chained up. The room is completely dark. And as you approach him, his forehead starts glowing. And then he lights himself on fire. What's Darbus's title? Phyrus. Phyrus. Twilight Igniter. That's straightforward. It makes sense because he keeps setting shit, especially himself, on fire. Yeah, this whole room is only lit by the fire that he emanates. I like how he's so hot that the the chains are glowing around his limbs. Yeah. It's a pretty good little effect. I remember that there was a bunch of dissections of the Twilight Princess trailers before this game came out, and there was a not- small number of people who theorized that what would end up being Phyrus was possibly Ganon because the jewel on Phyrus's head looks a lot like the topaz that Ganon wears. Mm. It does kind of look like that. Did the bo- did he look different in the trailer? No, there is when Darb when Phyrus wakes up, there's that real close-up shot where the jewel on his head starts to glow and there was a shot in the trailer of that. Just that extreme close-up where you can't see the face very well, except for the eyes and the jewel. Yeah, he does kind of have tusks, too. Yeah. See how people would get that. He's easily the most cinematic fight. Non-spoilerific cinematic fight. I gotta think about that. Yeah, okay, I guess I can see that. It is very, it's very cool how you're able to chase him around. And what is it? You hit him in the head with the arrow, and he staggers around blindly. So you grab one of the chains attached to his feet, put on the iron boots, and pull. Yes. And he falls over, and you go around, you whoop his head. That's about right. That's the entire fight. It is interesting, though, because he can swing those big chains at you, and you can just block them with your shield? Sure. Yeah, why not? Chains are heavy, and that's a really... Yeah, shield's good. It's a good shield. It's a good shield held by a strong boy. Oh, he switched his shield. Link switched his shield. Uh, yeah, you can buy a Hylian shield from Mallow, I think. 
Right. Pretty important. In fact, they recommend that you do it before going up the mountain because wooden shield. Because there's fire up there. And every enemy in the Goran Mines is either on fire or spews fire. Yeah. And you don't want to lose your unique Ordon shield. No, no, no. So you got to get that Hylian shield. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it's a pretty cool fight. Since Virus is the first real boss of the game. But no, second. Second. Second real boss of the game. But first that you face... After talking to the Hero Shade, or when was that first Hero Shade conversation? Before the Forest Temple. Oh, damn it. Never mind. Anyway, you do the cool finisher, I'm going to twirl my sword around before stabbing Firas in the head move to finish him off, and it's pretty cool. You can do that to the Daibaba or whatever its name is, too. Really? Yeah. I don't know if I ever did. I just wailed on it. You can. It's just it has so low HP that you can miss it very easily. Oh. Doing it here is cool, though. It's cool all the time. It's cool every single time he does it. This is like the second coolest, I think. <laughs> and then the big mask thing that Firus is wearing shatters. And Firus shrinks down and it's Darvis. And Darvis is like, where am I? And Midden is like, haha, I have the piece of the Fuse Shadow. It's interesting that, well, I guess the Fuse Shadow corrupts everybody else, but not Link and not Midna. Well, Midna's from the tribe of the shadows, right? It's basically just a really condensed form of the Twilight Realm, in a sense, and how it seems to affect people. I guess. Like, Darbus would have turned into Phyrus if he was engulfed by the Twilight. Oh. That's what I think. That's interesting. Why wouldn't he just turn into a ghost? Because he's such a powerful spirit. Okay. Like some people turn into Twilight Beasts, right? So the Twi'li are so chill that they just, they're fine. Uh, they're long in, in um, they are, jailing has they, chilled them out. They are of the Twilight. Yeah, they're, they're used long, to drinking the water. Yeah. <laughs> their long jailing has um, chilled them out. I, I wouldn't necessarily say chilled them out because there's a difference between like the Twi'li versus the Twilight Beasts. Mm. The initial group of whom were definitely Twi'li. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about Minna's dialogue here a bit. Okay. What, what, how do you read it off here? Ehehe, well done. Now we have two fused shadows. You know, you've been very helpful so far. So, as a reward, I'll tell you an interesting story. Zant, that's the name of the King of Darkness who cast this pall of shadows over your world. He's very strong. You would be nothing to him in your current state. But Zant will never be my king. I have nothing but scorn for his supposed strength. Not that your Zelda is much better. It still appalls me that this world of light is controlled by that princess. A carefree youth, a life of luxury? How does that teach duty? But I guess I shouldn't begrudge her the circumstances of her life. She didn't choose it after all. And I would never wish harm on her. No, as long as I get my hands on the few shadows, I'll be just fine. Well, just one more left. Yep. Yep. This whole rant on Zant turns into a rant on Zelda. It's interesting, though. So, there, this and other dialogue later implies that the Twilight Realm has an elected monarchy? Um, How do you figure? Well, particularly in this dialogue, Minda was not raised in a life of luxury, not in the same way that Zelda was, it seems. I take that to mean that the Twilight Realm is still a pretty hard place to live in. It's not the green fields or whatever of Hyrule. I don't know. She but talks it's open about to interpretation. She talks about the Twilight Realm as being a nice place to live, very peaceful. Mm. Well, it's not decadent. I don't know. 
she has some griefs, which I can't quite get. It could be that Midna has been ruling from a younger age. Well, no, that wouldn't make sense because Zant wanted to succeed the previous king, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So Midna, as the monarch of the Twilight Realm, do you think that she was chosen by the people then? I think it'd be something like that because if if it was hereditary, wouldn't she have grown up in the best conditions that the Twilight Realm could offer. That does make sense. Well, this is all from her perspective, though, and it seems a little bit biased as is. Yeah, the Hyrulean royal family's setting is definitely more opulent than what's going on with the Twilight Realm. But at the same time, Zant did seem to have some kind of legitimate claim to the throne. That's why she talked about how no one would accept him as king. Like, there was a capacity in which he could have ruled the Twilight officially. And he expected that he would be chosen. Well, they do look very different, Midna and Zant, from the rest of the Twilight. What do you think the odds are that they're related somehow? Maybe they're from the same bloodline, just, you know, I don't think they're siblings. Hmm. It's not very clear. It's not clear. Um... What's the rest of her dialogue here? Oh, and she identifies Zant as the king of darkness. Yeah. Which is wrong. It's actually not. Is it? No, I don't think so. Zant later also identifies himself as the king of light and shadow. But is he really? From his own perspective and Midna's understanding, yes, absolutely. The fun thing about the way Twilight Princess works, especially with regards to its antagonists, is that the apparent antagonist doesn't know that the real antagonist is the real antagonist. It kind of leads the players on, too, and some people get upset. Yeah, but I don't think it's something to necessarily get upset about, because the game stops pretending pretty early on. We still haven't heard about Ganondorf. Right, but, I mean, like, come on. (laughs) Well, we'll discuss that when it comes up, I guess. Yeah. So, Link gets warped out by Midna. And has a conversation with Elden about how he needs to go to Luneiru, right? Uh, I want to talk about Darvis's design for a little bit because I love it. Okay. <laughs> he has like a, a, a flat top stone pompadour. Like Guile. Yeah. Like Guile from Street Fighter. Yes. And then like rock gloves, which, I mean, they're made of the same material as his hair. I think those might just be like... That's just, he has hairy forearms. Oh man, what if he punched so hard that the rock formed that way? <laughs> oh, does that mean he has hairy nipples? Yeah. Yeah, why not? Okay. Uh, we're probably going to forget later, so we might as well discuss how he doesn't remember anything about this sequence. He doesn't remember transforming. He doesn't even remember finding the fused shadow. Or that Link saves him. He's just got this big missing chunk. And they're like, eh, Please don't mention this. The elders say, please don't mention this to Darbus because he wouldn't be able to take the, the fact that you, you saved him. He's very prideful. How could a puny human have saved me? <laughs> I'm so big. Darbus notably also skips leg day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, all the Gorons skip leg day. <laughs> like, Darbus in particular, though, because most Gorons don't have like hypermuscular arms. They're pretty muscular. But Darbus is like as big as the Incredible Hulk. From the waist up or bigger. So if the Gorons like went to leg day, could they beat Link, do you think? Yeah. Yeah. But they never learned the importance of doing your squats. Mm. Always do your squats, kids. 
But yeah, he has one of the most fun designs of any character in the history of the series, I think. And he's so silly. The big silly man. Now Link gets teleported out. To the spring of Mm -hmm. Elden and Kakariko. Tell me what happens, Crystal. Uh, Elden doesn't actually say too much here because you already freed them earlier. Uh, Elden just says, go to Laneru and free another light spirit. And you'll find somebody that you're seeking in that area. Yeah, because Colin runs up and says, you know, Ilya's still missing. You've got to save her too. Maybe she's in Laneru. That is almost exactly what he says. And Renato's like, hey, listen, uh, I got the kids. You plainly have a lot of shit to do, so go do it. Now, here's the line that I said I was going to mention earlier. Uh Uh-huh. Renato says to you, In Hyrule, countless tales are told of the ancient hero, and your deeds bring them all to mind. Huh. Huh. So, Ocarina of Time Link was not forgotten, Hyrule Historia. Oh, okay. And every wiki has to correct itself. Well, but he seems to consider himself forgotten. He does not. So maybe they are referring to a different ancient hero. I don't I don't think that Link, the, sorry, what's his name here? The hero's shade. Yeah, I don't think the hero's shade actually considers himself forgotten. What's the textual basis for that one? He has not managed to pass on his skills to anyone. That's the point of his sadness or regret. And I think it was just a mistranslation of whatever it was in in the Historia. He's upset he never got to teach his red-headed daughter how to sword fight. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever, like, if he was a big hero, he'd have students lining up. Well, that's Unless if he you... had time to do so. Unless Ganondorf invades. Yeah, and he died in an early death. But after growing another foot. Yes, or three. Once you're a big hero, people are a lot more likely to give you the good protein. But yes, he was remembered. It's true. Renato does suggest here that he was remembered. Now, Crystal, you suggested that it might be another hero who's being remembered here. What did you mean by that? I think they might be referring to the Link of Skyward Sword. Allowing for the fact that Skyward Sword hadn't been written yet. Yes. Well, I mean, for this point, it's it's well established through Fujibayashi's games that there are a bunch of Links that we haven't gotten to see. That's true. So it could be anyone, but also I think that it's probably fair to read this as being about Ocarina of Time Link, because Twilight Princess is very much a game that's about Ocarina of Time. Right. And yeah, every every mention, every item that belongs to the hero or so on, it's it's Ocarina of Time Link. I guess I could see that. And the songs that, that the uh, Golden Wolf howls. Oh yeah, they're all definitely... They're all from Ocarina of Time or Majora's Mask. Uh, so how long after Ocarina do you think this is for them to refer to the hero as ancient? It's an arbitrarily long length of time. Aonuma likes to throw out the number a century or more. <laughs> and like that's his favorite number to say. But I think it's nearly as arbitrary as a length of time described as 10,000 years. It might as well be that long. Yeah. The time scale in Hyrule is so long that it barely matters how long ago it was. People will forget. Is there something keeping you from being able to go to Laneru at first? Um. Uh, or do we just go straight to the next light bug sequence? Was there... It's so There's so many interactions with King Bulbin, but at one point King Bulbin has the key to the other end of Kakariko. Do you get it? I think, that, point? I think that's after Laneru. Uh, I think. I could be wrong. Crystal, you just played. 
I think you're redirected to the castle town first, but I'm not. I think you f you find like uh, Ilya's purse or something, and you track it into Castle Town. Yeah. Was there something preventing you from going there before, though? Is it just like somebody in the game saying, "Don't go there"? No, I think you can go in to Castle Town. Yeah, Minna's just like, "Hey, maybe we should find Ilya because it seems like you want to." Hmm. But I mean, before this, um, before the Gorn sequence, did you have the ability oh. to go and go off track? I, I didn't try, so I can't say. Okay. Presumably, Binda would say, let's go to Elden first. <laughs> yeah, let's see. This is okay. around when I stopped taking notes. So the way that it works is that you come to the last of the what Midna assumes will be the last of the Twilight that you'll end up interacting with. And what happens is you go in, and once you've become Wolf Link, you find Ilya's pack. And you sniff at it, and you go, ah, uh, okay. And Minna goes, you really want to find this girl, huh? Well, I guess we might as well. And off Link goes on another whirlwind adventure. In the darkness. In the darkness. Constantly following his nose, so you're just chasing after this pink trail of smoke. Oh, right, because the castle's in Laneru, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, the castle is technically in Laneru province. And that might actually be true in Breath of the Wild as well, come to think of it. But no, by then it's central Hyrule. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense since Zelda is the patron. Nehru is the patron of Zelda. Makes sense. Yeah, I buy that. Why not? Let's go. Yeah. Get into Castle Town and it's all very creepy because it's like a bunch of will-o'-wisps just floating around. Yeah, they can't even see your scary dog form running around. No. But the animals can still sense you, right? Of course. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. Castletown, as portrayed here, is pretty unique for the series because it's pretty large. There's like lots of back alleys and corridors you can go to. And I it's also very populated. I love it because each of the different areas of the town have a different feel to them and it's indicated through the music. Yes. Parts sound a little bit quieter and the, the song's a little bit slower or quieter. That, that that particular bit with the music changing depending on where you were was also a thing in the Ocarina of Time Castle Town. Was it? Oh yeah, the music would be much more muted once you went into the back alleys. Mm -hmm. Well, this one has more areas, I guess. True. But yeah, it's very nicely sectioned off and it's extremely populated. You can't talk to everyone here. There's too many folks. And as you're following your nose through here and you're getting a sense of how people are living their lives, it sucks, by the way. Mm-hmm. You run through the town, and you eventually come to, I think it's Telma's Bar, isn't it? Yeah, they mentioned yeah. that a Zora child. Oh, yes. You you hear all kinds of things about how a Zora child has been found. Or do you is, end up having is to... Is that this point? I'm getting confused, but it's in the script. Yeah, you hear rumors there's a Zora child, Telma's got him. And you go to Telma's Bar, and Ilya's there, along with the Zora prince who's passed out on the bed. Is everybody a ghost thing at this point? Yes. Yes, everyone's oh a ghost. Oh my gosh. Midna teases uh, Link because the girl he's been looking for is right there, but he can't interact with her in any way. And also, he's a dog. <laughs> I love Telma. Telma's really great. I think she's actually the first case in this series of a heavy set woman who isn't played for a joke. Yeah. And I think because the um, HD version came out, I finally noticed she has she has cornrows. Yeah, they do a lot of interesting things with hair and the designs in this game. There is some dialogue about how the citizens are mad 
because they can't go pray to the spring spirit of Lake Helia. So I guess the the light spirits are actively worshipped at this period. Yeah. That would make sense. And the water has gone from the giant fountain in the center of the city, and everybody is really parched. Yeah. There's a water shortage. Yeah, there's a lot of bad going on here. I I'm not I don't quite understand the mechanics of the twilight. Like okay, so they don't know they're ghosts and they continue living out their lives. But is anything like different? No. No, nothing's different. Okay. So, so what's the problem? It's all fine except for that, you know, Xanton Gandorf are going to come along and shadow beasts do tend to appear in the twilight. Okay. I, I mean that's true, I guess. And also, but you get like, what if, what if all of us are Twilight ghosts, man? And also, it <laughs> seems like sometimes the Twilight can turn you into a monster. Yeah, sometimes that does happen. Only sometimes. These rules are complicated. Yeah. So Link finds the best character in the game, Telma, and Midna teases him about not being able to talk to Ilya. And what happens in this sequence exactly? I forget how it leads naturally into the next one. Hmm. Uh, you you end up finding some soldiers who talk about going to the Great Bridge of Hylia to go fight some stuff. Or investigate or something. Yeah. I don't think that works out. And did you have to find the doctor at this point or take him to the doctor? No, no, no. Um, you end up needing to go to the Bridge of Hylia for some reason. Why the hell did they have you go over there? Oh, everybody talks about how something weird's going on. I oh, guess. so you just go over there. You know the light spirits, right? Because Lake Hylia is gonna dry up. Okay, so you need to go there, and the only way you can reach it at this point in the game is going as Wolf Link and actually going to the bridge that spans above it by like hundreds and hundreds of meters. Yeah, it's way. Yeah, it's a big bridge. It's way too fucking high. <laughs> I can't imagine a bridge. Like that being built with our level of technology. And there's uh, it sabotage. It seems like the pillars did originally go to the ground, but they've been mostly knocked down. But it's still But the bridge still holds. That's a really strong bridge. And like the like you get a shot of the bridge over the lake, and the lake doesn't seem that big compared to the bridge. No. This Maybe it was originally much bigger because now it's drying up. I'd say so. Are all the chasms all over Hyrule just places where lakes and rivers used to run? I guess. And that makes sense. Does it? I mean, sure. And where what else would they be? And then maybe once the maybe once you finish the game, then the water will start to come back. Hmm. Yeah. They are I, I always found this part of the world weird because it's one of the places that really highlights that even though this tries to give the impression of an open world, it really isn't. Because in a game like Oblivion or Breath of the Wild you could totally just jump down there into the lake. Yeah. If you try to do that here, you will die. Well. Except for in this sequence. Yes. Where Link is in the middle of the bridge. Wolf Link is. And the the monsters. I think it's Bulblins. Bulblins. They oh, have, yeah. I don't know, set gasoline there or something. It's oil. oil. Yeah. It's oil. And one of them throws like a lantern or a torch or something and it, it's on fire and it's creeping close to you and then it's like oh lord what do we do and you can totally just stand on the side and die and di- you'll die too we can stand in the center and die but i really thought i could avoid if i just stood on the side because it's not going to burn against the, fo- the heat stone. rises okay okay you will die jump you're going to jump like you're going a to jump. Kilometer. You're going to jump off this thing that you normally cannot jump off of without taking damage. Yeah. 
which is okay no like if this lake was much bigger this house next to the lake would definitely drown how long has that house been there you think they just built it you're not wrong <laughs> okay so we the chasms are back to being unexplained okay but now we've jumped down like four or five hundred meters just a dead drop and link hits the water he's fine because he's very strong yeah, it's a cool little area here because you can look up and see the bridge at any time. It almost reminds me of, like, looking up to see the Halo ring in Halo. Yeah. Because it's just so big. That's 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 very comparable. And the Lake Hylia area is also very nice because it's actually relatively full for the open areas in Twilight Princess. There's a lot to do here. You just have to swim yeah. around, which gets a lot easier later. Is this the bug sequence? Do you talk to the spirit first? Uh, yeah, you need to find the spirit before they give you the vessel of light, which you fill with the light drops or whatever the hell they are. The green beans. Right? How, how do you find the, how do you find the Lanayru? There's a giant shrine there. Oh, is it just that simple? Yeah. Link fights a bird and he tries to rip out its neck and then Minna jumps on top of it. And now she is the master of the bird and you ride over to the spring. That's Right. There's a whole flying sequence. It's, you know, it's a cool little thing. It's very, uh, it's very, uh, cobbled together or not quite space harrier. Yeah, something like that. It's like those sequences in Bayonetta, only you can't shoot things and it's not as good. Yes. But it's also kind of fun. The music there is pretty good. This first sequence treats it as being very serious, but every time you do it after this, it's always very bright and cheery. But also it makes sense because you got to go up this waterfall and actually, why isn't like Kilia any deeper? I don't know. Because all, all the... Nothing about Lake Hylia makes sense geographically. You mean, why is it all these, so shallow? Yeah, all I these tributaries know. feed directly into it. Where's the water from it going? The water goes to the other parts of of the uh, world. How? It's, Rivers. Its elevation is like 500 I, meters lower than the surrounding landscape. I don't know. Water can't flow that way. Okay. I guess you don't talk to the spirit right now. No? Not yet, no. No, you gotta unfreeze it first. You gotta... Oh, you have to go to Zor... Is this the part where you have to unfreeze Zora's domain? Yeah. You learn the reason after grabbing the bird and flying over. Uh-huh. Zora's oh. domain is frozen. That's why the water's not coming down. Oh, okay. And that's why you can't reach the holy spring? I think the water level's too Where low? was the spring? The spring is in Lake Helia. Okay. Hylia. Lake Hylia. Hulia. Okay. The structure of this game is so strange. It's hard to follow. You have to bounce around so much. Yeah, it really is. It's interesting because almost every other game in the series, I have a good enough memory where even if I haven't played it in four or five years, I can remember all the little bullshit that you do to go between things. But you're like a super ball thrown inside of a very small room. You end up all over the place in Twilight Princess. You do a lot of things. And Crystal, you just played this game. Yeah. And yeah. it's still hard to keep track of. That's not necessarily... Because yeah, in my mind, I, I like summarize, it, okay, here's the Goron part, here's the, the Zora part, but I don't remember like the 500 things you have to do before you actually get to the thing. Back and forth. And you have warping in this game, so then it gets even more <laughs> all over the place. That's not necessarily a knock against it. Right. Structurally, this is still really fun, but trying to recount it to another person or another set of, like... A few hundred listeners makes it really it highlights how difficult it is to recall everything because you do so much here before you can get to another dungeon and i don't know if that tapers off as the game goes on or not it does taper off 
Yeah, I, I think so. I have. This is mostly a thing during the part where you're gathering the few shadows. Thinking that you don't have to fight Ganondorf. Yeah. Okay. So Link makes it up to Zora's domain. And shit is really bad in Zora's domain. And it's a really cool sequence because you walk in and it's all frozen. And then Minda's like, look below the ice and use your senses or whatever. And whoosh. And there are all the Zora trapped in there. And they're just frozen in place. Yeah. And that, I think, might be a good place to transition to questions. Because it's, equi- okay. it's equivalent to where we left off. Did you want to talk about Renato being Sheikah? Oh, yeah. Tell Do me about it. Do you two think that he's Sheikah? I mean, he lives, he's the chief of Kakariko. That's as strong an argument as I need. His daughter. But this is the new Kakariko. <laughs> the old Kakariko is hidden. Yeah. His daughter has the Eye of Truth on her clothes. I think on the back of her um, jacket. But they don't have too many defining Sheikah um, visual indicators. The Sheikah are very notably absent in this game compared to pretty much every other modern Zelda outside of Wind Waker. So they have rounded ears, for one. Mm-hmm. They have darker hair. I don't know if that matters. They have darker eyes. He, Renato has sort of like golden eyes. That's- Neither of them have red eyes. Mm-hmm. Um... But there are other indicators of other people in Hyrule who might be Sheikah. Okay. Impas is a good indicator. Yes, Impas. Impas is definitely Sheikah. Yeah. And she has the pointy ears and she has the red eyes. Oh, does she? She has she red does. eyes? Huh. Yes. Um, then there's the fortune teller. What? The fortune teller in Hyrule Castle Town. The one who tells you where all the heart pieces are. Yes, Madame Fanati. Okay. She has the eye of truth on her clothes. Oh, shit. She has blondish hair, and she has red eyes and pointy ears. Oh, so she might actually be Sheikah then. Yes. I'm comfortable calling Madame Fanati a Sheikah. Is it the red eyes that's pushing it over the edge? And the forehead symbol. Yeah, okay. The eye of truth is definitely a good indicator. Do you think Telma is... Yeah, Renato's daughter kind of has a a different version of it, but the one Fanati has is very clearly the Sheikah symbol. The more orthodox Sheikah symbol. Yes. It kind of seems to me that people in Hyrule by this time have sort of intermingled, maybe? That makes sense. So that, you know, Renato and his daughter... mm, They could have Sheikah descent. They could be of Sheikah descent. Yeah. Without being members of the tribe. I think so. Were you going to ask something about Telma? Yeah. Do you think she's Grudo? No. Oh, yeah. For sure. Okay. <laughs> and Agatha's Kokiri. Okay. Uh, explain that one. Well, let me bring up a picture of Agatha. She's short. She's blonde. She's got the twin tails or pigtails. <laughs> no, what what um, I noticed today is that the, the dots, there's th- at least three women in Castletown have these circle markings under their eyes. And for Talma and Madame Fanati, it's um, it's in a set order. Hold on, I'm just pulling up. Cam's just pulling up the image. Yeah, so with Agatha, it's like she seems to be a child who lives alone. She has a tree inside her house. Mm. And she visually looks like the Kokiri from Ocarina who had the blonde pigtails. And also she's big into gothic Lolita. <laughs> yes. 
And okay, so the dots are red, purple, and green going outwards. For, for under Telma, for Telma, the bar owner, her dots start with a red directly underneath the center of her eye, uh, purple beneath the outside of her eye, and then green above the purple. And it's the same for the fortune teller. Okay. It's different for Agatha, though. So Agatha has purple, green, orange, or red. What do you two think that means? Well, all of these appear to be members of a non-Hillian people. Hmm. I don't read Talma as being Gerudo, but I guess that... I mean, she seems pretty Gerudo. I guess that makes as much sense as anything else. I was thinking maybe it's a, a fashion thing going on in Hyrule Castle Town right now. Are I there, don't know. Are there any other female characters who have these markings? I don't think so. Well, we don't really focus on any other women who live in Castletown, I guess. Right, that's the thing. And I don't think you can really see closely enough to look at the other um, townies. No, I suppose not. And what's her name who's part of the, the friendship for? <laughs> She's not from Castletown. Oh, yes. The- Goth lady. Goth, yeah, okay. She's a little bit gothic. I guess you could say that, sort of. You're talking about Ashe? Ashe, yeah. Ashe is so cool. Is she a goth? She looks a little gothy, doesn't she? The eye makeup. Uh, okay, okay, I see what she Her means. eyeshadow game is on point. I don't know if I would call her goth, but... I think that may be trying to fit her into an aesthetic sense that doesn't... Look at her. <laughs> she just had... No, I, I see what Monica means. She was raised in the mountains. Yes. I don't know what the hell is going on with the Shay's bangs, though. It's like a fish. Those are ridiculous. She's cool. She is really cool. She is one of the best character designs in this game. In fact, she's I, got fancy armor. She does have fancy armor. It's almost like maybe it's Sheikah. I don't know. I would say that she's probably descended from the Knights of Hyrule. Mm-hmm. She mentions her dad is a one of the last real soldiers or something yeah not like the current soldiers yeah one of the themes <laughs> of twilight princess is as was brought up in an, i think either the last episode or the one before is that the soldiery in hyrule right now sucks oh yeah they kind of always have but it's especially bad right now and ashe talks about that in comparison to the way that the knights of hyrule used to be they are borderline worthless yep Anyway, so we've gotten to Zora's Domain, and everyone's frozen, and it's very bad. Should we transition to questions here? Yes. Yeah, let's start taking some questions. Cameron, where can people send us questions? The best place to send us questions is through email, and questions can be sent to a Book of Medora podcast at gmail.com. That's Book of Medora podcast at gmail.com. But first, we're going to read some questions from Twitter.com. Yeah, you can also send us Twitter questions either to at ArcaneCrystal or at CamWriter. We love Twitter questions, too. Cass asks, is there anything they could do to make Link more badass and manly? Uh, I don't know. They really tried in this one. I don't know that any more should or could be done. Rather, could or should be done. What are your? What if they gave him a beard? <laughs> I guess like giving him a beard is pretty much the only extra masculine coded thing they could have thrown on top of it, or maybe make him like even angrier. Oh boy! Uh, make him make him beat up things with his hands. That's pretty manly. He oh, sumo that'd be wrestles. cool. 
Oh, he does. He already does that. But I mean, like, he could do, like, the Kratos thing where he grabs a bulb and then tears it in half at the waist. So it's God of War. It's God of War. No, thanks. No. I'll pass. I don't know if they could have reasonably made Link more badass and manly. No. Facial hair might be a good start. Oh, they could also give him an eye patch. (laughs) No, that's reserved for the hero's shade. No, actually, come to think of it, wasn't one of the original intents for Twilight Princess kicking around the idea of, like, a 30 or 40-something-year-old Link who's, like, this grizzled soldier or something? I think... It is. Oh, I swear I've seen that in the Hyrule Historia. It's been at least one of the games where they tried to see how it looked like if he was older. I've seen that design. He actually looks really cool. He does. This game would read very differently if he was just like this older, retired soldier who's trying to rescue these kids from his village. If Link was Russell, basically. Mm. That'd be neat. That would actually be really neat. Huh. What if Link was a father... And his wife was <laughs> Is he sad about it? Yeah, he's very sad, but he you know is a bit reserved with his emotions and mostly only shows anger. And he can't communicate this to his kid. No, he's he's bad at uh, communication and emotional honesty. But over time he learns to be openly honest enough to still lie to his child when it really counts. Oh, listeners, yes. we had issues with the newest God of War game. Oh, I shifted. Oh, really? I shifted over into talking. I wouldn't have thought. <laughs> I shifted over into talking about The Last of Us right at the end there, but you know, sad sa- dads. Same story, basically. Same sad dads who need a workshop on parenting. Yeah, it's weird. I think that Link in this game is a more effective father figure than Joel or Kratos. Ooh. He's more like a big brother. Big brothers can sometimes be better than fathers. Yeah. Why don't we have more Big Brother games? Why don't we have more Big Brother games, actually? Wind Waker was great. Because children are an extension of a man's ego. Yeah. All right, we're getting to a real. <laughs> we need to get to the next question. Okay, why don't you ask the next question? This one is also from Cassandra. Why wasn't sumo wrestling a mini game you could repeat? Also, why sumo wrestling? Well, I know what I think. What do you two think? I don't think the sumo wrestling is deep enough for it to be a repeatable mini game. They should have added more mechanics, I think, and then made a full mini game. But I suppose they must have been pressed for time. I mean, it. I think it's about as deep as the fishing is, and they let you fish all you damn well please. You should. Yeah, fishing has. There's a long tradition of fishing. It's in one other game. Well, no, no, two other games. It, it's in every video game. No, I mean in Zelda. Yeah, it's, well, it's in several Zelda. Oh, wait, games. did you go fishing in Majora's Mask originally, or was that only in the 3DS version? I think you could. Piss. You can fish in Link's Awakening. Yes, you definitely can. That's the one that made me remember and take that back. I actually found the fishing more fun in Ocarina than I did in Twilight Princess for some reason. I agree. As to why sumo wrestling in particular, because it's very Japanese and extremely masculine coded. Yeah. That's all there is. It's very much about having both skill, but also power. And being able to beat someone in sumo wrestling is partially down to skill, but a very big part of it is just about being stronger than they are. At least that's what I think. It's just another case in which the game leans real hard into coding Link in as masculine a way as possible. Why didn't they give Link a sumo, the thing that sumo wrestlers wear? Fudoshi? Is it a fudoshi? I don't know enough to say. Mawashi. Mawashi. Okay. Why didn't they give Link a Mawashi? I have no idea. 
I guess they didn't want it to be quite that Japanese. <laughs> Which question is next, Crystal? I think we have them laid out slightly differently compared to... Okay. Next comes in from Hannah. One time, a high school friend was hyping it up to me, and a teacher overheard and asked, Toilet Princess? In an extremely indignant tone. Do you think my friend ever recovered from that moment? Or... That teacher probably has interests. No, that 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 friend is dead. <laughs> you 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 may have princess. You may have forgotten, but you were at the funeral. <laughs> but that teacher, to hear it that way, has interests. Well, I mean, Twilight and Toilet can sound kind of similar depending on your accent. But why would you ever? Twilight Princess is a nonsense phrase. So is Toilet Princess. <laughs> You're not wrong. Did. In your corner of the Zelda internet, was there any uproar over the title of this game? Not that I can remember. I remember people thinking it sounded like a dumb Barbie game. Oh. What? I'm I'm pretty sure there were people who said that. Was Twilight Princess just too feminine coded a title for them? Yeah, Princess. Yeah, basically. It's the aughts. There were weird feelings. I, uh, mmm. But... You know, for Toilet Princess, the the abbreviation is TP. So. Oh yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's a notable title because it's Twilight Princess in Japanese too. It's Twilight Princess. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's, it's just the it's English just it's just a romanization. No transliteration. Transliteration. Yeah, transliteration. Yeah, most of the mainline 3D ones are the same in English and Japanese, except for Wind Waker. That's pretty interesting. But yeah, your friend's dead, and <laughs> you might want to go back and check your yearbook from the next year, because they're not in there anymore. Oh, dear. Okay, um, what is the next one? That's, from... that's 20 minutes ago. Oh, um, yeah, but you see this hour. It doesn't matter okay. what order. Okay. okay, fair. Sofe Sofa asks, or Sophie Sofa? Sofei Sofa asks, I love this game, but the intensely dark aesthetic the whole time would kind of wear me down after a while. Do you feel that way? Do you think they overcompensated after an extremely bright Wind Waker? Yes, absolutely. I mean, it is a matter of record that they did overcompensate, but I actually like the style of this game. My main issue with it is just that the textures are very bad, Mm. but then they fixed that in the HD version. It does look a lot better in HD. Um... Yeah, it is definitely true that this game was a response to and a refutation of Wind Waker thematically and aesthetically. And the aesthetic part of it is the part that's most easy to notice unless you're like Crystal or Monica or myself. And even then, it's really hard to miss that part. Yeah, they definitely went into the slightly crunchier Lord of the Rings style look to things in this one. Though it keeps a lot of that zelda silliness that you would expect and doesn't lean too hard into it i think it's funny because i mean they must have been already developing or starting development you know before wind waker actually released as was so, the style yeah, yeah the, the horror at the initial reveal of toon link caused them to you know go oh we must make it darker and more adult but as soon as wind waker released everybody's like holy shit this is amazing yeah well, we still got a really fun look out of it, I yeah, think. Yeah, it's fine. It's like, oh, this game's so dark and serious and scary. Look how close. Hey, a Yeti. And he's wearing like a horse saddle on his head. Yeah, all right. Let's do this. 
I remember being pretty impressed by the lighting in this game, like especially in the in the Balrog boss fight mm-hmm. where everything is lit by the fire of his body. Yeah. Yeah, that was really cool. Especially the way the sparks would like be their own tiny light source for just a second if you s- blocked the chains with your shield. And like the parts of the chains that were glowing also threw off light, actually. That was also very cool. That Absolute Legend asks, why is it so bad? It, in this case, being Twilight Princess, I assume. It isn't, Vale. <laughs> it's actually a good game that's much better than the average game you would play. Yeah, even if it's, in my opinion, the weakest 3D Zelda, it, that's still like really good. So I wouldn't say it's a bad game. It's got its problems. Yeah. But, you know, when you get down to brass tacks, it's the individual parts that you play, the dungeons, the characters. Like, parts of it are messy, but it's messy in the context of the Zelda series. And a lot of people would probably call it still the best one, mm-hmm. even. Yeah, there are people who are probably pretty upset that we don't think anywhere close to that. I mean, like. Sorry. Not sorry. As. Reluctant as I am to do this sort of comparison, Monica, you don't think the game is spectacular in the context of the Zelda series, but you'd still call it a solid 9 out of 10. Yeah. It's a good game. What is the GPA of the Zelda series to you? The GBA? The GPA, grade point average. Oh. Okay, so an A is a 4, and a B mm-hmm. is a 3, and a C is a 2, and a D is a 1. Mm-hmm. Is it on a bell curve? <laughs> I, I just need an answer, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> if I think about it any more than not at all, this could end up being very different. Okay, so it's being graded against every other series. That's where the bell curve is. Oh, well, it's okay. my favorite series. Oh, it's your favorite series, but like, what's the average quality of Zelda? High. Would you call- okay? What's what's your the worst Zelda game? <sighs> Adventure of Link. Okay, what grade would you give that? Seven. What out of ten? God, you okay? You think so? No, give it a letter grade. A, a letter grade? Yeah. yeah B minus C plus. That's a two point Yeah. Okay. And how many would you say are about that quality? I don't think anything is as weak as that one. It's hard, like like quitting the game like hard. I see. So you'd probably say like the GPA of the Zelda series is like three point four or higher. Yeah. Can I just round it up to four? She, Monica says, fuck you. <laughs> it's the best one. Top of the class. Can't we just number yeah. them? Why don't you just make it five? All the Zeldas took college level courses. Does uh, that work? I don't... I don't I, We didn't do GPAs here, so... There's some schools that work that oh, way. Okay. That sounds very confusing. Okay, my answer is like a, a 3.7. That's really good. That's a very good high number. I'm refusing to participate in that particular exercise, but uh, 3.7, I'll co-sign. I'll co-sign a 3.7. And Twilight Princess is a B plus. I might even call it a minus. Wait, no, I have too many thematic problems. It's, I don't know. I don't fucking know, man. I don't know. You're asking me these hard questions. Why can't we ask shit about, like, who's... Let's scientifically and objectively rank every Zelda game according to quality. I tell you what. You bring us on to your other podcast, and we will have a party. Okay, yeah. Oh, boy. Next question. Crasspants asks, Why would the Zelda game have big text saying, Goat in, in it? 
This was the era of like shine get. Yeah, it kind of was, wasn't it? Localization at the time was very particular. Maybe they could only work... If I had to guess, they only had a certain number of characters that they could use for that graphic because it's a... That's actually like a little graphic that pops up when you get the goats herded into their pen, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm guessing that it had to be within a certain size so they couldn't fit more words in there while keeping it legible. That's what I think. I think Goat Inn is fine. Yeah, Goat Inn's mostly fine. It's pretty funny, though. It's a little bit funny, but I think it's probably a result of completely legitimate space-conscious things. Trippy Jing asks, why is she the Twilight Princess? If this is... Uh, Minna is the princess of the Twilight Realm. Yes. In a realm and in a sort of game where queens... Queens are much older people, I guess. You can't be... There are no queens. Made, no, you have to be married to queen. be a queen. Oh, yeah. you got It's Lord Farquaad rules. Yeah, you got to be married. You can be a the head monarch and still be a princess. Yeah. Which also implies that you have to be married to be a king. Yeah, like Lord Farquaad. From Shrek. From Shrek. That's the plot of that movie. <laughs> right. That is that the magic mirror says he's not technically a king because he's not married. Huh. Huh. I had completely forgotten that because I haven't... It's on Netflix now. You should go watch Shrek. I haven't watched Shrek in pert near 15 years. It's a fine motion picture. All right. Maybe I will go see if it still holds up. I'd give it an A+. A+. That's still the same as an A- for your GPA. Okay. So what if the question is asking about Zelda instead of Midna? Oh, Midna mockingly calls Zelda the Twilight Princess because she is now the princess of a realm covered in twilight. It's a bit of Midna's upset at Zelda. She being catty. She's being catty. Yeah, okay, I guess that's it. Gary asks, If the only bit of it I played was helping my brother do the rapid oppress final bit on the final boss, does it count as me having beaten the game? No, it doesn't. Sorry, Gary. I mean, if it, yeah, Gary. But if it makes you feel br- better, your brother didn't beat it either. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'd agree, <laughs> Gary. I mean, why don't you, you go you, back you and perform the final action, saving lives every day. Yeah, there's like you're doing all these important things, but instead you're sitting there with a 0.1 percent completion file on Twilight Princess, while your brother has a 99.9 percent. I'm assuming. Well, whatever his... I would not trust a physician who only had a 0.1% completion rate in Twilight Princess. That's really the kind of thing that he should have to reveal to his patients before taking them in. Gary the Doctor. Dr. Gary. Dr. Gary. Dr. Cool Gary. Net. If that is your real Dr. Gary. Thank you, Gary. We appreciate your question. Thank you, Gary. Do we have any email questions? Oh, we have plenty of email questions. No shit. Including the big one. Oh, for fuck's sake! Okay, look, y'all give me a minute, and I'm going to try and we'll do get this. We'll get to the big one. Oh, shit. People have been sending in things. Cool. I'm going to, del- yeah. I'm going to delete this letter from Google. Yeah, Google, fuck off. Okay, uh, first, let's do the one from uh, Colin Jones. And Who wants to read Colin Jones? I'll read it. Hey, guys, my question is about the relationship between Ganon, Ganondorf, and Demise. Particularly whether Ganon the Demon King was around before Ganondorf and just lent the man his power, or if Ganondorf's pursuit of power created Ganon himself. They are definitely portrayed as being separate most of the time. Most of the time you're only fighting Ganon where the human often isn't present. So which came first? Were they the one 
Demise reincarnated as? And is the second one also a reincarnation of Demise's curse? Thanks for reading, Kali. It is said that Ganon once took the form of a Gerudo. That is the line that Urbosa gives. Mm-hmm. And that is the understanding of Ganon as of Breath of the Wild. Yeah. There's many different ways to interpret that line. Yes. Though the one that I prefer, and I think both of you knew that this was coming, is that understanding of Ganon has been lost to time. Yeah. Well, Ganon ends up being, in Breath of the Wild, Ganon's conflated with basically every incidence of evil throughout all of time. Ganon is the eternal evil. I think if you follow the timeline, maybe not the Historia timeline, but maybe the accursed timeline theory that we've been um, speaking of on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can really follow the, the through line. It's the demise comes up. That's fine. But there really is a Gandorf and he occurs before Ganon. Yeah, especially on the Ocarina timeline. Right. And there's incidents that cause this whole second Ganondorf that comes up in Four Swords Adventures. Uh, oh, God. Fucking Four Swords problem. With the again. trident. Yeah, the trident. Fucking Four Swords. It wasn't Adventures. a, yeah. What was the theory again? It wasn't a second Ganondorf. It was not a second Ganondorf. It was the first Ganondorf of uh, that timeline. And then he turned Ganondorf into Ganondorf. plus Demise equals Ganon. Yeah, okay. Well, no, your hang-up, Cam, is that you don't like that the evil or the power or such comes from this other source. No, 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 that, like that's not even it. Like, the idea that the accursed timeline has Ganon appearing spontaneously, the manifestation of a curse that grows more evil and more powerful over the time, I actually came up with that bullshit, if you remember. Mm-hmm. One of the primary ideas behind the Accursed Timeline is that Ganon does not need Ganondorf to exist. Now, there are at least two timelines that we tend to think of. The adult timeline of Ocarina of Time and the child timeline of Ocarina of Time, where Ganon is a function of Ganondorf. Yeah. But in the third timeline, which is for us the Accursed Timeline, and any new listeners who start on this episode, what's wrong with you? And also go back and listen to the Ocarina of Time episode, especially the last one where we go over what the Accursed Timeline is. In the Accursed Timeline, Ganon is its own thing. Ganon is the beast. Ganon is the shape of true evil that other evil aspires to be, in much the same way that Link gains the spirit of the hero by aspiring to be heroic. I agree, and I think that's even consistent with the way the Trident is portrayed within Four Swords Adventures. Which is also interesting because it kind of implies that over time Vati may have also been trying to rise to the shape of Ganon, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Which is something that I like. It's like everybody trying to be Ganon, but there can only be one at a time. And in that one, he ain't going away. Uh, but in, in, in the ones where there was a came first, in timelines where they have both been around, Ganondorf definitely came first. Yes. Why does Ganondorf take the form of Ganon with the Triforce of Power? Um, before Was he inspired by something else? <sighs> okay. I think that I would probably say there's three decent reads of this. The first read, and probably the oldest read, is that Ganon is... A manifestation of what Ganondorf's true nature is. Greed. Greed. And power. And power. Destructiveness and greed. To destroy and to consume. Or to own. Um, 
for there's also the possibility that we kind of floated in the Link's Awakening episode and that perhaps Ganondorf dreamed of Ganon and it's an understanding that he has as the curse of demise wears down the walls between worlds because that does seem to be a thing that's happening if you look at the accursed timeline and the way that these multiple dimensions and the way that time works is slowly breaking down over time and even the Triforce is growing less powerful. And one more way that I particularly like is that when Ganondorf becomes Ganon, he is ascending to the true form of ultimate evil because that's just what he's become. This is his awakening. For him, this is the equivalent of pulling out the Master Sword. Hmm. Is how I see it. What about y'all? I concur. Why he turned... There were three of those. Which I one? concur with the possibilities of all three. I like the idea that Ganon is the shape of the adversary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The adversary. Uh, Crystal, do you want to take this one from Connor? Uh, okay. Hoy, small fry. Some thoughts on fish. It seems to me like not all of the fish-slash-aquatic life died off during the Great Flood in Wind Waker. We see lots of dead fish all over the place, not just an outset. There are some in Windfall and on Great Fish Isle, and if I remember correctly, there are some in the pirate ship. It's more likely that all but the most pervasive species were killed off by the massive change to the ecosystem, because like thousands and hundreds of thousands of leagues of ocean just happened, and that's bound to have some sort of ecological repercussions. And the surviving breeds are the most hardy ones, like the giant squid and those sharks that chase you down, or ones that just happened to congregate around those boingy gossip stones, and eventually became the mapfish. Old Shikatek is spotty at times. Who's to say there wasn't some magical technological radiation? It'd certainly explain why they're so damn durable, and why they know so much and also can talk. What are your thoughts? Also, at what point in the Zelda timeline would you place the Splatoon <laughs> games? I placed them long, long after the events of Phantom Hourglass. Oh man, I love this theory of the map fish, the fishmen being... Just like a Springfield nuclear power plant, only it's weird chic with attack. The, yeah, with the gossip stones. Yeah. Because they yeah, serve the sounds, same that's, function. I like that theory. Yeah, that's cute. I like that. I like that a lot, actually. Thank you, Connor. That may be the new canon. Yeah. But I, Splatoon is a sequel to Super Mario Sunshine, where the hero failed. <laughs> <laughs> this is the fallen Mario timeline. Mm-hmm. Shine, not get. What? What? I didn't play Sunshine, so what's going on? There was not a world-ending <laughs> conflict in Sunshine. It's just a oh, funny joke. Okay. Well, eventually, the Bowser Jr. would have lost control of the magic paintbrush and covered the whole world in ink. Mm. Which killed all the people. Yes. But the squid survived. Yes. The squid survived. Born of the magic paintbrush, which allows them to transform. And hence the ink. Yes. Okay. They really rebuilt pretty aggressively after that. So yeah, it's, a, it's actually a Mario game, not a Zelda game. From Daniel. As the three hosts of the podcast, what aspects of the Triforce would you ascribe to yourselves? Hmm... Okay, we're going to do this in one of two ways. Actually, no, we're just going to do this one way, and then we'll come to an agreement between us. Each of us is going to come up with a list in their heads of who gets what. And then okay. we'll read off our lists, and then we'll figure out on the uh, mutual agreement. Okay. So, 
Crystal, you go first, then Monica, then me. <sighs> okay, just give me a second. Um, okay, I got it. Okay, let's hear it. Cameron Wisdom, Monica Power, Crystal Courage. Mm. Ah. And what's uh, what's the reasoning? Um, I don't know. <laughs> That's fair. That's, That's fair. That's fine. Okay, Monica, you're up. I would say Cameron Power, Monica Wisdom, Crystal Courage. Crystal has courage because she makes the most courageous theories. Okay. All right. Cameron's evil, so he has to get power. All right. <laughs> That's true. Cameron is evil. I yeah. Am, I am well-known villain. Yeah. Yeah. And that leaves me with wisdom, I guess. Okay. Oh, you guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the third one. I would... Uh, I think that probably my setup is very similar to Monica's. Um, Monica definitely... It, Monica will do hours and hours of research on a specific part of a game before we do these podcast recordings. So I feel like she should probably get wisdom. And I make up theories that play real fast and loose with the timeline, and I don't give a shit whether or not people like it. So that feels like power. And Crystal is the one whose actions are the impetus for the entire podcast in the first place and Mm. got the whole thing running, so she'd have to be courage. That's true. Okay, so our our consensus is Cameron Power, Monica Wisdom, Crystal Courage. You definitely have courage. Yeah, you've got to be courage. And... I'm more openly evil. Monica's more like <laughs> Hilda evil. Oh, okay. Very different. But if if Ravio is cowardly, why isn't Hilda dumb? <laughs> well, she did trust Yuga, who's the equivalent of Ganon. Oh. Okay. And th- why isn't Yuga weak? Uh, oh, uh, that's actually a conversation that we should have in the Link Between Worlds episode, because that's a... Yeah, we'll discuss the bad lore of that game in a few minutes. <laughs> that's, a, that, that's something that's worth unpacking, I think. All right. So after going over it, I don't think it's reasonable to try to um, summarize Shakal Draconis's email uh, without reading the entire thing. But uh, the email itself is very large. So we're going to be recording a bonus episode just for it. Crystal, when would we be trying to put up this particular episode? Uh, this would probably go up on the 27th. So you're thinking that it will be an entire week episode by itself? Uh, no, I would probably just put it up on the on the Monday after or something. Okay, so it's very close to being concurrent with the t- part three of Twilight Princess. Yes. Okay. In that case, uh, I think we've reached the end of our question period and the end of this episode. Do we have anything in the documents thread? Oh, man, I wanted to talk about... Oh, yeah. yeah. We do actually have two more questions. Um, Monica, I think we should leave your question for the bonus episode that involves Chacal's email. Okay. Actually, maybe we can leave all of them. This episode's getting pretty chunky. Yeah. Uh, Jasmine's has to do with the Yetis, so Mm. we'll get there. Okay. In that case, I believe we've reached the end. We have reached the end of this episode. Where can we find you online, Cameron? You can find me on Twitter, at CamRider, and not anywhere else. Don't go looking. You can find me online at ArcaneCrystal. You can find me on the Audio Entropy network of podcasts at audioentropy.com. I'm on the Let's Plays podcast, the one where we scientifically and objectively rank every video game according to quality. And I just launched the um, MCU Complete Me podcast, where we talk about Marvel movies. The person who did our podcast art is Tor Kirby. Go to torkirby.com and pay him to make to make some art. He's very good at it. 
Hey, Crystal, how did that? Uh, what what movie are y'all up to now for recording and your MCU? We have completed the Incredible Hulk. What did you two think of the Incredible Hulk? It's a solid C. It was okay. I can't remember much. I remember the heart rate monitor and the the love interest is the daughter of the general. General, yeah. He comes in a tank at one point, I think. Um, That's very classic Hulk. Yeah, it's fine. What did Luke think of it? He also thought it was a solid C. Oh, interesting. That's kinder than I would have expected. We we have agreed so far on both Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk. Mm. How did you? Th- I know that y'all got asked how the com- how the movie compared to Ang Lee's Hulk. Ang Lee's Hulk is a better movie. Yeah, it is. You will fight people over this. I. You have fought people over this. Y'all come fucking find me on Twitter. <laughs> I don't know that a ton of people would disagree. A lot of people like to dunk on Ang Lee's Hulk really hard. Okay, I got I got a good one. No, you don't, but Yay. let's try it anyway. This joke comes in from the IGN forum thread, Zelda Jokes. Oh, Jesus. This is posted by Giaber. What did Link say to Ganon? What? How about you go make like a timeline and split? Yeah! <laughs> Woohoo! That's so fucking horrible. <laughs> That's sick. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Okay, goodbye, everybody. Bye.